Hey everybody, before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor. It's a film called Sir John Anne, the Curse of the Antiquenched. It's a fun film and you can get it on Vimeo On Demand right now for only $2.99. Check out curseoftheantiquenched.com. My guest today on the podcast is indie filmmaker Jim Toscano, and we get into his film The Pretender, which is about the biggest Rocky fan. Uh, I highly enjoyed the film, and I had a really great time chatting with him about the ins and outs of making an indie film doc. Uh, this is a great listen for anyone who's trying to make an indie film or just has a general interest of indie film and or Rocky. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Welcome to the Raiders of the Lost Commentary podcast. Welcome. To Jurassic Park. The unofficial commentary for your favorite Death of the Chopper! and not so favorite films. The famous comedian Arnold Braunschweiger. Starring your hosts, Adam and Matt. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Start your movie in three, two, one. Hey everybody, this week on the podcast we have a very special guest, Jim Toscano, and uh, we uh, are talking about his film, The Pretender. Uh, Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for having me. Good. How are you doing uh, via the quarantine? <laughs> you know, it's it, it, the silver lining is I've had some some time to get to some projects that are have been on the shelf for a while, like some passion projects and some other things, so... It's been kind of nice that way, uh, so you always got to just kind of look at the silver lining of it, I guess. That's what I've been trying to do, too, as I've been slowly getting less and less busy in uh, in the industry. Um, so uh, do you work in uh, the film industry, or is documentary kind of a hobby for you? Or No, so I work, uh, I live in Detroit, and I have a studio in Detroit with my business partner, uh, Danny Janino, and uh, so we do a lot of video and commercial work for the automakers here in Detroit, like Ford, uh, GM and, uh, FCA Chrysler. Oh, that's great. So we do a lot. Yeah. So we do a lot of work with them. Um, and then, uh, we do like our, you know, some documentary work. The pretender is our first full length documentary. And we've done some other documentaries for PBS, uh, since this one has come out and working on a couple new things. So it's kind of a mix between commercial work and documentary work. That's great. You know, um, before you'd reached out on Twitter, I think it was, uh, I'd, I'd seen the trailer and I was like, this is very bizarre and I'm very, very intrigued. <laughs> and I was like, I bookmarked it and I was like, I'm going to check this out eventually. And then you, you reached out and wanted to talk on the podcast. Um, yeah, a biz- bizarre in the best of ways, just like a trip down a road and, and into a life, into a world that I, I'm unfamiliar with. Um, despite being like a big like Rocky fan and Stallone fan, this is like next level stuff. So like for the audience uh, who doesn't know, do you want to give us like the Coles notes, uh, if you will, uh, of, of your documentary? Yeah, so, it, you know, in a nutshell, it, it's a documentary about a guy named Mike, Mike Kunda, um, that is, you know, some would say obsessed with with Rocky, with Rocky Balboa, the, the fictional character. So it's funny because we say like the documentary is about a guy playing a fictional character. So it's like, uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but it's it's about his life and uh, and kind of what makes him tick. You know, he he saw the movie forty plus years ago. And he's been just totally uh, into it since then. I mean, it, it is, um, you know, a huge part of his life. And when we started filming, you'll see in the doc, you know, it's it's uh, his, his parents are, you know, in the doc, his, his wife, his brother. And they're all kind of, um, I think that was you know, the, the, the yeah, most surprising part is just like as it unfolds, you're like, OK, his parents seem relatively stable and like it looks like he had a stable enough childhood from at least what you portrayed in the doc and then i was honestly like kind of like i'm like he can't be married and then and then you you see his wife and like does he have kids as well or uh no no kids okay which which is fine whatever um yeah but like yeah i was like wow and then like i don't know you can tell me like I don't know, you, you were around them probably for a lot of time, like, or, or were you friends with Mike before this, or, like, how did you come to be acquainted with him? Uh, no, I did not know Mike before this. I, I actually, I ran into him, I was working in Philadelphia, and I ran into him in downtown Philadelphia, 
and they were filming one of the Rocky movies, uh, Rocky Balboa, which is like Rocky six. Right. And, and so I met him there and Mike was kind of on the set and he had a giant, uh, painting that he painted and he was kind of just, you know, kind of searching out Stallone, kind of keeping an eye out for him and, and just looking for the guy on set to see what he could see. And I struck up a conversation with him, you know, because he he already even back then looked like Stallone. He kind of uh, talked like him, you know, he emulated him and everyone was noticing that there were security guards and, you know, all these people that were like kind of forming a little crowd around him until Sly got there almost, you know. And um, I just became, you know, like we just talked and hung out for a while. And, uh, the, the thing was I was in, I'm from Detroit, so I was in Philly all week and he kept showing up on the local news, you know, like, uh, they do those stories about like, uh, Sylvester Stallone's back in Philly and no one's more happy than, you know, no one's happier than Mike Kunda, a local guy. And there was Mike like every night when I was in the hotel watching it, I'm like, wow, he, he really is serious about it. And, uh, you know, before I, before I uh, left him, you know, we were talking before I took off. He said, look for me. I'm in the Stallone zone, which is like an old forum, like a Stallone, you know, fan forum. Wow. So I always remember the Stallone zone dot com. And I and I every once in a while I check in on him, you know, and just like and to my surprise, it was like he's he's there. He, you know, every time I would go in, he would be there. And, you know, what that showed me was like this guy wasn't you know, bullshit me. Like he is, he is the world's biggest fan. And, uh, I watched him, you know, over a couple of years from afar. And then finally, you know, I, I started to get into filmmaking a little bit more serious and, uh, I was working in advertising for a while. So when I got a little bit more serious, when I thought I, I better go down and, and start shooting this guy before someone else does. I mean, it's just too, too yeah. interesting of a story, you know, and uh, I thought I was going to do a little five minute piece on him when I kind of set out to go see him. Yeah, honestly, like I do feel like it could be like there could be more there. Or it, it could expand or it just I don't know, just like his day to day life of like like uh, he obviously wrote a book about being like the biggest Stallone fan. And like what's what's his like day to day job? Like, does he have a nine to five or? He did. So when um, when we first started filming him, uh, we filmed him over a span of about five years. Oh, wow. And, and when, yeah, yeah, and it was on and off. I mean, it wasn't every day for five years. But, you know, we, we'd go down there and uh, film him for like a long weekend. And then, um, you know, I think, you know, six months later, we'd shoot him again. Then maybe a year went by, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, when we first met him, he was working at a paint store, Sherwin Williams. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was like nine to five working at the paint store, you know, retail. And, um, he was just starting to kind of, you know, he started getting these gigs, these, these like Rocky gigs where he might show up at a birthday party or, uh, a wedding or a, you know, like a convention or something. And he would take time off. You know, they all loved him there. You know, they were all like, you know, he'd say, hey, I got a Rocky gig next Friday. Can I have the, you know, the day off? And either someone would trade with them or whatever, but they were really cool about it. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So that over the years when we were shooting him, his time at the paint store started to dwindle until he, he quit to do the Rocky thing full time. So that like he's just a impersonator full time? Yeah, now he is. So, so, um, so what he does is, and you'll, you'll see in the film, uh, you know, it was kind of the, the making of it. It was kind of like the, the, the maiden voyage, but he, the biggest thing that he does now are these Rocky tours in Philadelphia. So he will, um, take like in the film, he takes a school bus full of people. We all go and, you know, we filmed it and everything. But now what he's done is he's he's kind of like perfected it over time. And what he's got it distilled down to is he'll take maybe four people at a time, like a small party, you know, two to four people at a time on a Rocky tour of the sites in Philly. And the way that he's polished it up is, you know, you make your reservation months and months ahead of time. But a couple, you know, a week or so before your tour, he'll start to ask you questions like, 
you know, to customize the tour for you. So he'll say to you, what's your favorite Rocky movie? And you'll say, well, uh, I like Rocky one. I love uh, when he goes to the gym and this, okay, well, we'll we'll definitely stop at the gym. Um, What else do you like about it? You know, and it'll get like almost like personal information from these Pete, from these Rocky fans and customize his tour. That's around that. That's amazing. dude. (laughs) It is. I mean, he, he is truly a professional, you know, he's an artist, you know, that, that was the thing when we started making this doc is that, you know, we quickly, you know, not, you know, we quickly realized he is, he's a craftsman, you know, he is like studying Rocky Balboa, studying Sylvester Stallone, uh, brushing up on the facts, uh, you know, behind the scenes, how Stallone moves, uh, you know, where he puts his hands, you know, all, all these things. Um, I will say like when I first saw the trailer, I had snap judgment, like what the fuck is up with this guy? But then watching your doc and uh, it's a tribute to like how you made it. Um, you become enamored with him and you're kind of like start rooting for him. And like, there's a bit of like uh, feeling of like nervousness for him when he goes to the restaurant or when he starts doing stuff. So I don't know if that's just like you putting that in the documentary as you started editing it, or if that's just genuine, just trying to show what was happening while it was happening or. You know, no, that's great, man. I I mean, I'm so happy to hear someone like you say that because it it is pretty intentional and it's kind of uh, what we were going through as filmmakers, you know, experiencing Mike and his life. I mean, that's, you know, Danny uh, was the editor on this and him and I worked really closely together and every frame in it is purposeful, you know, like everything's there for, for a reason, maybe ex- except for the skunk at the, uh, the dog kennel. That was just fun to put in, but I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't see a skunk. But no, oh yeah. Is, there's a skunk on, on like a table or something. Yeah. Yeah. We just thought that was just weird. And you know, I don't know. We just thought it was funny and kept I that just in thought there, that but... was rural Pennsylvania. I don't know. Yeah, it totally was. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when we I, showed it at the Philly film festival, someone in that audience was like the first and only person to bring it up. Like you even had a skunk in there, man. That was awesome. Even had like, it's not complete in Philly until there's a skunk. (laughs) Exactly. I guess so. One thing I was, I always wondered like, and I know they addressed it in, um, in Creed that Rocky never actually goes into the museum, but has Mike ever been into the museum? (laughs) Jeez, that's a good question. I, I don't know. I assume yes, because he goes there so often that uh, I'm sure he's been in there at some point. <laughs> yeah. I, I always wondered that, like, like it, it's like a pretty famous museum and like, uh, I haven't really, I haven't really been into the Philadelphia proper, but like going yeah. through the airport and everything, like they have some deal or something with the, uh, with the art gallery there. And they have all these, this great art in the, in the airport while you wait for your seven hour layover. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I was just kind of curious. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I assume that he probably has. But, you know, there was a couple of years ago where they talked about uh, redesigning those steps. Right. And yeah. putting it. And that was really like scary, you know, for, for all these Rocky fans. They were literally going to like cut holes into the into the steps and change the whole look of it. And Mike kind of became an advocate really stopping that you know calling the steps themselves art and he went on a couple like news shows uh i even dressed as rocky i remember seeing one of them where he was trying to get them to you know come to their senses it's funny to think like like the art world like it it can be like a little hoity-toity and and but like i feel like rocky fans and or just stallone fans in general are the complete opposite of the types of people that might go into that museum, you know? Right. Right. I, I, I know. It's a funny, just like, I don't know, juxtaposition. Like how many people just run up those steps and don't bother to go into the museum? Oh yeah, I know. Probably 98%, you know? <laughs> uh, so you get in touch with Mike, you're on the forums and whatnot. Like the yeah. early days of this, like where was his family a bit skeptical? Was he a bit skeptical? Like, were they a bit like shy at first to kind of let you in and start filming something about, you know, I I'm assuming for a, from a parent, like for the parents or a, maybe his brother or wife, they're like, are you just going to make fun of him? Or like, right. like, how did you guys approach that? Yeah. So 
I think so. Mike always seemed all in, you know, and that doesn't surprise um, me. Yeah, exactly. And his his parents uh, told me later on that they were skeptical until we actually showed up and they met us. Okay. So uh, Mike's dad was telling us uh, that he was telling Mike. I don't know, Michael. I I don't know. You don't know these guys. You don't know what their agenda is. You know, I'll believe it when they see it. They're they're not, you know, don't get your hopes up, Mike. They're not going to come and make a movie about you. You don't know that. And, uh, and, you know, once we did show up, you know, it just, I mean, a bunch of things happened to be honest. Like once we did show up, number one, I was, um, super, I don't like, I don't know if the word is impressed, but I, I was, you know how like someone says they're the biggest Rocky fan or someone says, uh, you know, New York is the best city in the world and this and that. And until you see it for yourself, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're yeah. like, I've seen Rocky like five times. Like I, I like yeah. it too, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And when I went there and I met Mike, I was like, blown away you know like this guy is not exaggerating anything you know like he told us um he had seen the 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 original rocky god i forget how many hundred times he said he saw it i think like 600 times that's insane and i and you think yeah sure you know that's like you saying i've seen rocky a thousand times but he said yeah i know because i used to keep track and i do the tally marks and I think he, I think the number was 649. And when he got to 649, like he lost track or they had to paint over that wall or whatever it was. But, you know, I saw this proof and I thought this really is the number one Rocky fan in the world. I mean, I tell everyone this. I know he probably knows more about Rocky than Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> you know. I'm serious because he notices, <laughs> you know, things in the background, things in the that if he, you know, and he, and he does talk to Stallone once in a while now. And I think when he brings him up to Stallone, either, you know, Stallone doesn't remember it jogs his memory. You know, it's I mean, that that is definitely true. And so there was that. And then when we sat down to interview his parents, that was one of the first interviews that we did. And his parents just. Uh, poured their hearts out, you know, and, um, they were, you know, they were proud of him. They were, they were nervous for him. They were worried about him. Uh, they were happy for him. You know, they, it was just, uh, very open. They, they couldn't be more open and they couldn't be nicer people, you know? So, and that's great. We got, I think yeah. that's like also like uh, a tribute to doc making too. Like one thing is putting stuff on the screen, but it's how you maybe approach the situation before even the camera starts rolling to get those interviews and to get people to feel comfortable and get them to pour their hearts out, you know? Yeah. 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 So yeah, that, that was, I mean, it was, they were great people to work with, you know? So it, it really made things nice. Um, so you, you said you filmed over five years. So like, when was the point where you're like, okay, we got enough. We're going to turn it into a doc or like, yeah. So like I said, at first we thought, you know, it'll be like five minutes, you know, like a little short, short film that people could watch and put on our reel so they could look at it. And then, you know, after we met his parents, we thought, okay, this is definitely gotta be more than this. Um, and, you know, we, we filmed them over a couple of years and you could kind of start to see the, the story come together. And I think probably four years in, I, one day we, we sat around and we talked about it at the studio and I left there and I think I went to a coffee shop and just wrote out an outline. You know, I'm just finally like, I think I have a story in my head, you know, of how we can piece this together and, and do Mike's story justice. And, um, I went and just kind of drilled through it and over a couple hours did an outline and quickly after that, uh, we went out to uh, Pennsylvania one more time to get some pickup shots and just kind of fill in a couple blanks or explore a couple, you know, subjects a, a little bit deeper with Mike. Um, and, uh, and then we knew we were ready to sit down and edit, you know? 
Well, that's great. And I will say too, like uh, you mentioned the editor's name, but uh, it, the pacing of it was really well done too. Like it gave you the pieces you needed to know as it was kind of following along. And it does kind of button a nice button at the end. I won't spoil it too, too much. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a nice button at the end. Um, can you talk a bit, a bit about just getting the rights to use some of the Rocky clips? Yeah, that was, that was crazy because (laughs) we had, um, all kinds of anxiety. Like, you know, we, we wanted to put those clips in, you know, number one to show, you know, reference, like how close Mike Mike's mannerisms are to Sylvester's or, you know, like at some of the locations, you know, at, at Rocky's apartment. Yeah. The I mean, it was just cover. It's like, Oh yeah. It's yeah. the second one here. That's where they filmed it. It's like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he nails it. I mean, when we were editing that, we were like, which one's which, you know, like, Oh yeah. The Stallone clip. But, um, so we had all, we really wanted to use them. And we started to slip them in, you know, uh, and then it's dangerous. Yeah, <laughs> in exactly. The attic, and you then get attached to it. Yep. Yep. And then we had, uh, uh another friend of ours, an editor, a uh, little bit more experienced guy, uh, in town. And he said, you know, if you're going to put these clips in, just go for it. Like put, put them all, put whatever you want in there, put it in there. If you're going to do one, you're going to, you know, so we did that and we were super anxious and, you know, uh, to find out we, we got an attorney, uh, in Beverly Hills and they actually worked on another kind of Stallone related doc and it all fall fell under fair use. So yeah, man. I mean, it was like, that was like the biggest break ever for our, for our film because we were super nervous about it. Yeah. So it falls under fair use and, um, and the, the, it was fun learning about, you know, the, the rules to it. And basically you can use clips like that to support a point or, um, but you can't use them to tell the story. So a good example of that is, uh, there's a couple of good examples. It was kind of turned out to be a fun part of the process, but in the film, um, let's see. So, like we talked about, you know, Mike points out like this is the manhole cover where Rocky walks over when he does this. And then we show a clip from the film. Interesting. No problem there. It's proving what Mike's saying. Zero problem. No pushback. One one thing that we got a little pushback on was Mike talks about his Rambo years and how he used to curl his hair. I don't know if you remember that from yeah, the doc. Yeah, he got the perm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he talks about getting the perm. Um, before that he tried to use his mom's, um, his mom's, uh, curling iron. <laughs> and so we have a picture of a curling iron made by, uh, like Gillette, you know, Gillette curling iron. It was an old ad from the seventies that we put in the dock and that we got pushback on that because he doesn't say I, I use my mom's old Gillette curling uh, iron. He just says a uh, curling iron. So that one you know, like you wouldn't think that would be the problem. So we had to, uh, you know, make a, a fake ad. Basically, we just took stock imagery and kind of, you know, doctored it up and made a little fake ad out of it. It worked. But, it, this, the result was the same, I think, in the end. Oh yeah, yeah. So did you? But, uh, don't tr- yeah. Go ahead. Did you like seek out this lawyer based on like? Did you have to like research? Okay, this company has done this for this same reason, and then got, got in touch that way, or? Yeah. Yeah. We, we actually, um, the, the film that I was talking about, uh, we reached out to that director and said like, Hey man, we're working on a project. I'm sure you probably blazed this trail before us. Can you hook us up? And they gave us the attorney's name and you know, they remembered him and it was just perfect. You know, that's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. That's, that's something else too. And then it, it brings like a lot of production value, I think to the film, like yeah, in the indie film world, we're always trying to find, at least I am trying to find ways to seem more legitimate, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so I think that that helps a lot. Um, so yeah, so you went through this whole process, you finally had enough to, you know, put it all together. Um, do you want to talk about like, uh, your marketing plan or like once you had it, did you guys submit to a bunch of festivals or what happened there? Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, real real quick, I, uh, you you were talking about the editing and the, and the pacing, and you know, Danny was basically the main editor on it. But uh, you know, I appreciate you bringing that up too, because you know, we put a lot of thought into the the edit. I mean, we ran it through a bunch of filters. We had note cards all over the place. You know, like That's the great. order of the film and you know what do we reveal and you know so you know it's hard to distill something that that much down to uh, just like you know an hour and some doc like oh it was so tough like you know yeah go ahead i was just say starting is always the hardest part i find when anytime i do any type of doc work and then like it's like the first edit's obviously the worst and you're like okay that's a hundred percent not the doc now i know where i'll start and throw this out and start with something else Yep. Yeah. Well, it was like the the way like our there was so much stuff we wanted to use and the way we filtered it down and distilled it down was, you know, just is each scene and each frame like moving the story forward? You know, are we repeating ourselves with this? Because like you said, the first edit, his dad is so good, man. His the lines he has, he's so expressive. And, you know, we had him saying the same things over and over, just different ways, you know, like, when's this kid going to stop? What's wrong with this kid? You know, and (laughs) over and over, because it was just so, you know, if you see the doc, you see, I'd like the wrong word is funny, but he's just so funny. You know, he's just such a good guy. But the way, you know, geez, when's he going to stop? When's he going to stop hitting this bag? You know, yeah, he's honest. He's that's that's what makes it great. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, you can see the love for him. But we, you know, we had him saying the same thing over and over and we're like, "All right, we got to pick the best one." You know, how does he say it the best way? <clears throat> so, we, you know, basically we did it that way. It was like, is the movie is the story moving forward? Are we repeating ourselves? What's the best way we can say this? Um and also what is the most authentic way that we're saying this? You know, because you know, like anyone on camera, sometimes you're, you're playing up a little bit, you know? Yeah. And it's inevitable. Especially. Yeah. And Mike's a performer, you know, and, and he, you know, he's, he's a performer. So we really paid attention to like, how sincere is he being here? And not that he was ever insincere on purpose. It was just like, well, he's kind of putting on here. Let's, let's use, you know, something from earlier, you know, right. before he, like, so did the cameras ever cut and he just like, went flat and just like how about them flyers like (laughs) not really dude yeah not not really man he is what you see on camera is what he's he's like i i think maybe that's funny i couldn't even imagine him saying that you know how about (laughs) those flyers no he there were there was maybe one or two times where we cut the cameras and just from him being tired he just kind of got would get quiet you know but yeah, I, but we, you know, I took the time to like we had a lot of long car rides without the camera running and you know, there was nothing you know, there there was we got them, you know, like we got the real mic that, for sure. That, it's also interesting of like the choice of when not to bother rolling on stuff too, like cuz that's got to yeah, be like tough. a yeah, like a decision you got to make like all the time, like do we bother rolling on this? Like are we going to yeah. get anything more or yeah, I know. That's that's the thing. It, it, and, you know, that's probably at the beginning we filmed more, you know, because you're like we're a little greener, you know, so it's yeah, just like, that makes sense. yeah, you just keep rolling. You just, yeah. you know, you, the editing's so far off, too, that you're not worried about it. Look at all it's somebody else's problem later. <laughs> yeah, that's future Jim's problem. Yeah. <laughs> so done that but, in there. Yeah. But uh, we did get lucky. There was there was one time. Uh, in the dock and you'll see it. We, we had a GoPro, it was like GoPro one, you know, way back a GoPro running and, and we caught, you know, a very real moment of, uh, you know, Mike was a little upset about something and him and his wife had a, you know, a private conversation and, and we actually recorded it all because we left the GoPro on. Oh, that's where they, yeah. to the, the neighborhood there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That yep. was a, that was a decent moment. I was like, I wasn't sure if that was like a bit of a put on or, it wasn't. Yeah, no. It was like an interesting like window into their lives, um, yeah. but yeah, uh, like 
could get bogged down into the minutia of a lot of it, but, uh, I know, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I could go down many, many rat holes, but, uh, yeah. any big challenges or like hurdles you guys had to overcome for this thing or like aside from the Rocky clips, you know, no, I mean, it was a lot of just, you know, it just took a lot of time, you know, and, and it's funny because I'm sure you can relate to this. It's, it's weird because we have like, you know, we have our own studio and we're doing work for commercials and automakers and we have clients and they're asking us to, you know, film this Jeep going over this obstacle and doing this. And it's very clear cut and, and, you know, and it pays, (laughs) but (laughs) to take on a, a project like this, it gets, it gets weird, you know, because one day, and I tell this story a lot, like, Danny and I are sitting there with these note cards and like, we look like crazy people, you know, we have like (laughs) note cards all over the place and we're arguing over, we literally had an argument over a a soundbite where Mike says, um, you know, if you really think about it, Rocky Balboa is more important to the United States than many of the U S (laughs) presidents, you know, and he goes on and on. And you know, the point of it, you know, there is a point there and it kind of makes sense. But, you know, we're sitting there arguing about it. And, and finally, I said to Danny, like, dude, this is this is insane, man. No <laughs> one asked us to do this. You know, like we I have a wife and three kids. Danny's got a wife and a, and a kid. And, you know, we're sitting in here doing this. And, and it can really like kind of like, mess with your Rocky head. Is more important than the, the presidents? <laughs> right. And it's I mean, it's fun. It's it's the most fun ever. But it. You know, if you think about it too hard, you're like, what are we doing? But it was just getting it done. I mean, just getting it done. And then that's the having, big hurdle too, yeah. right? Just putting the work in. Yeah. Right. Just putting the time in. Totally. I mean, it really is. You got to carve out time and you got to think about all the things that you're not doing so you can work on this Rocky documentary, you know? Yeah. And, like uh, a passion project. And yeah. So, so yeah, um, you guys finish it, you get an edit you're happy with um but like where do you go from there like do you start trying to market it to festivals right away or do you go right to like distribution options or so yeah so what we did um you know really we first of all we gave ourselves a a deadline to finally when i knew we were close we actually booked a theater in uh in detroit so we could show it to you know, friends and family and everyone in town to come and see it. Cause everyone knew that we had been working on it for a while and everyone was pretty, you know, excited about it. And, you know, so we booked a theater so we could all kind of have a deadline. Number one and number two, share it with it's everyone. It's great to have a deadline. It's oh, so dude. great to have a deadline. We, we might still be working on it if we didn't do that. <laughs> Did Mike <laughs> so come the to the, the premiere? Yeah. Yeah. So Mike and his family came, Mike, his wife, and his mom and dad came. That's great. <clears throat> oh man, it was so cool. It was one of the the best days ever. And you know, we they had not seen the documentary um, until I wasn't going to show them until that initial screening. And then I got I just got way too nervous, and I knew I wasn't going to enjoy myself, and I knew that they weren't going to enjoy themselves at the theater okay, seeing so it for you the gave first them a time. Taste, yeah, yeah. I actually flew to them. I was on a on a shoot like in Seattle and instead of going home to Detroit, I, I just changed my flight and flew to, to Philadelphia for one night so I could show it to him and then fly home. Cause we had the screening like the next week. Oh, wow. How did that oh, the first like private screening go? Oh, it was so stressful, man. It was just, <laughs> Oh God, both of them, both of them are really, you know, the, the one with just Mike and, and his wife, Sue, that was super stressful, but they, they loved it. They were really happy with it. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, watching at the theater with like 400 of your closest friends was pretty freaky. Yeah. It can be tough. eh? Oh man. At least like I've made comedy. So like if people are laughing, you're like, okay, it's working. But like a doc, people are usually kind of, if they're, you know, they're usually engaged if it's good. Right. And they're not saying anything and you don't know if they're engaged or, they're rolling their eyes, so. Yeah, just fighting, trying to not to look at their watch or something. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I know. have a hard time with it. Like for shorts, I'll stay in a theater, but for a feature, I'll I'll, I'll leave. Yeah, I, I I know. I I would go back and forth depending on how I felt during the festivals. 
Yeah. But, um, but, so but tell me about that, that, actually. Tell me about uh, yeah. going around to different festivals. And uh, I've had conversations on this podcast with other filmmakers, and I've had like a back and forth, like yeah. different feelings about film festivals and, and, and whatnot. And I've had good experiences and bad experiences at, at festivals and, and, and whatnot. But uh, I don't know. Obviously, yeah. now things are probably changing a lot for film festivals. But uh, I don't know. Tell me your yeah, experience well, with uh, with that. Yeah, I, I and after I'd love to hear yours too. But I, you know, first of all, I we chose to do the film festivals. A big part of the reason was just because we wanted to experience the film festival circuit. You know, right? Uh, that had been like you know a dream for a while is to to just go through that and and live that. So I definitely wanted to do it, and we did hear negative things about it, and. There were, there were, it was both, you know, it was a lot of positive experiences and a lot of negative experiences, you know, like you don't really know what you're getting into with some of the festivals, um, the you know, as far as of them, like what's that or the legitimacy of them, right? Yeah, like exactly. just because they have a page on film freeway, you're like, is this a real festival? Like, do they have yeah. a website? Like, I don't know. That what you just said, is this a real festival that was that became like how how we talked about every festival? Like, <laughs> do you think this is a real festival? You know, it, it was it was really strange. And some of them, I don't know, thought they were real, but they weren't they weren't that great. You know, I don't know. It was it was odd. But I mean, some of when they were great, when they were good, they were great. You know, like it was a really cool experience like uh, uh we went to the Manchester Film Festival in, in in the UK. Oh wow, that's great! That that was awesome. That was a great festival, really well run. Great films, great filmmakers. Like that, that was an awesome one. So, tell me about that. Like, what was the reaction to that? Because like Rocky is a very American yeah. Uh, yep. thing, and the I don't know. To me, like Europeans kind of thumb their nose at, at America without like, you know, really like. Yeah accepting any real responsibility for all the crap they've done in the past and how, right. how trashy they get. But like, what was that kind of like reaction there? You know, it was, it was like, um, an exaggerated, uh, oh God, which, how do I say it? Like the reactions were exaggerated. Like when something was funny, that crowd seemed to really think it was funny. Oh, that's great. And parts. Yeah. And parts that I thought were, you know, that I, to, were very interesting to me or meaningful to me that were in the doc, they got that also like even, even d- deeper. And I think, I think they have like, um, I don't know, like an effect, like a, like a secret affection for, uh, American pop culture, you know? I think so, so too. Yeah. I think yeah. like they like fight it, but they're like, yeah, but Rocky's re- really cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Totally. And mm-hmm. we even, yeah. So, and we won staff pick there too. So oh, that, that's great. That, that's you awesome. know, kind of reinforces it. Yeah. But that audience was like raucous, you know, like when they were laughing, they were laughing hard. And you know, some of the other, you know, other moments, it was just like, you could hear a pin drop. So oh. it was, yeah. Surprising. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, like bringing it over there, like uh, you guys obviously made the decision to travel over there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, did you guys do any promotion, try and get people there? Or did the festival kind of do a good job of like getting like butts and seats there or? Um, they did a, they did a pretty good job. Like um, they had a pretty good, you know, they did the best they could. I, I feel like a lot of these festivals, you know, I didn't really run into any that did an outstanding job of filling your theater. You know, okay. Yeah, it was it was a lot of um, us trying to do the legwork. You know, so, some of them were, too. yeah, like yeah. you got to put in work to get people there. Yep. Like yeah, and I I learned I learned too. And you tell me if you have the same experience. Like you almost had to go to the festival. Like you know, if it's a week long festival, your best results would be like if you went at the beginning of the week. And just kept inviting people and telling people and putting up posters and, you know, getting all these people to go there. I haven't gone that because, far yet, but like, yeah. I think that is a, a good idea for sure. I've gone like digital marketing route and like reaching yeah. out like email and all that. I, I've, we've stayed like pretty close to home, like for ones we've attended. 
Yeah. And uh, the furthest I've gone to, to see a, a festival uh, was uh, Pensacola, Florida. Okay. Uh, just because there was a Comic-Con attached and we got free tickets to the Comic-Con. So I was yeah. like, it was like a cheap trip to Florida in the middle of January here in, in Ottawa. So <laughs> oh, I was nice. like, yeah, I'm in. I'm going to Florida. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's the key to, to it, you know, is like what festivals would you want to go to? And then – or just cities in general, like I'm, I'm like, ah, I kind of would like to see this city. Maybe I'll apply to festivals here, you know? Yep. I, I think that's, that's what it's all about. And, you know, looking back on it, I mean, I, some of them I would definitely love to do again. Some of the festivals, some of them I, I would probably pass on, but you know, if, if I was to, you know, do it all over again or on the next one, I really don't think you have to go to any, you know, it's interesting. And I'm wondering what yeah. your take is. I think for a feature, maybe not now because yeah, like festivals are very much uh, like they, they want exclusivity. So like if you're showing this at the festival, then you have like a crowd of people asking, where can I buy this? And you're like, well, yeah. we don't have a, or distribution's not set up yet because the festival doesn't want that. That's right. tough. Cause you're like, you're maybe turning away half that audience from, you know, potential buyers um if you're selling dvds you know like out of a box out of the front that that's another thing but like with shorts i find it's kind of like like it's harder to get people to watch a short maybe online to maybe sit down and watch like a bigger short but like um yeah i don't know i think uh for a feature maybe it's best just start trying to market it right away I, yeah. Like, I don't know. I've had good and bad experiences. Uh, Pensacola was a lot of fun. Everybody's very nice there. And like the bonus of the, the uh, Comic-Con was nice because people were yeah. wandering around to go see like the Indiana Jones like panel. And then right next door is like horror shorts that like it's free to get in if you have your, your ticket like to the Comic-Con. Yeah. So you ended up with like a big crowd of people to watch watch something right yeah that's uh, huge but that's then, great uh, i've done stuff in hamilton which is in uh, ontario closer to you actually in detroit um yeah. but uh, they have like a pretty big film festival and they just screwed the pooch on the year we were there they asked for 4k um 4k and or hd uh, masters to make their yeah. dcp to screen all the shorts and yep. whoever put it together just forgot to unzoom all the 4K stuff in the timeline. Oh my god! So, so my my film started and it was just zoomed into the HD version of a 4K clip, right? And we filmed oh, like man. we filmed a horror short and we filmed it in like 240, so it was like everything was in the size of the screen, anyways. So yeah. you didn't see anything; you just saw like empty space. So yeah. I started narrating what was actually happening out loud oh, in the theater. Man. Yeah. Um, and then somebody was like, Oh, did you submit 4k? And then I was like, yeah. And then you heard like every other filmmaker in the crowd. Oh no. That was, that was pretty brutal. But, uh, that is, I can feel the stress right now. You just, you telling me that. Yeah. I think we were, we were stressed at first and then we just, it became a joke and we were like, ah, okay, whatever. Everybody else is going to go through the same thing. So it's not as bad, but yeah. There was one uh, festival I was at, and uh, our our film screened okay, but th- they had some problems one of the days, and they were literally someone. I saw someone pulling up their film on their iPad and showing it to like a group of people huddled around them. Oh wow! Just to like, yeah. Oh man, I was just like, where am I? What is this? You're at the mercy of. of- <laughs> their like technology too right like i i don't know like yeah how in depth you went with like your color grade or uh, a mix or anything but like if you put money into like a nice grade and you put money into like a, a proper mix it's yeah. like and then they like play it through like a, a laptop headphone speaker on <laughs> something and you're like dude come on like put a little work yeah. into this like yeah, we uh, we actually, you know, we or had like, a why pretty... did you need the ProRes version if you're just going to play it through a laptop? Like, come on. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. I think they're like just like copying and pasting specs that they don't know how to read or something. It must be something like that. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. But we we did actually, you know, like our com- we had the phone, the, the film uh, scored, you know, like we had a composer. His name yeah. is Chris Pooley. Talk to me about that because the music was really good. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, Chris Chris Pooley is a, a native Detroiter, and now he lives out in L.A. 
and you know he worked on commercials here in Detroit and everything and now he uh he works with Katy Perry quite a bit and he actually is like the head guy on um American Idol so like lately that's great yeah lately he's been on TV because of the the virus he's at home you know mixing the show and you know so they've been showing him recently which is pretty cool um but he scored it man and he just killed it i mean he was like you know we're like you know this is a tall order right like we want you know we had rocky uh, bill conti music in there for scratch scratch tracks and he's like oh yeah no pressure just just do it like the rocky movie right <laughs> but different so, one of the most iconic soundtracks of all time yeah like. so he he just killed it man i mean we love the soundtrack we're so proud of it it's all real instruments um, oh, he was really oh, wow. like, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard he to tell. Really... Now. I feel like the, the nitty stuff has gotten so good. It's hard to like really tell what's real and what's not real, but that's, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 And he was really like, you know, smart about it. Like he would have a session and at the very end he'd like, all right guys, can we, you know, score this one track, you know, and they'd give us like one track at a time. Uh, and he was just really smart about doing it in a, you know, cost effective way for us. Oh, that's great. But, it's great when you have yeah. somebody who wants to like be a team player like that too. It was, it was such a, it was such a big deal, man. I mean, it was, it was freaky, you know, thinking about that too. That was the other hurdle we had, but just came out great. I mean, that's, that's one of the best things about the film, I think is the score, but that was really like, like you said, like when we were showing it at the festivals, you know, if they, you know, we mixed it and it sounded great. And then they just like, Oh, that speaker's blown out. So this is going to sound like this. And, you know, it was just like heart wrenching sometimes. Did you guys but, do the mix yourself? Like you said, you have a studio or like, do you yeah, have we, that kind we, of ability there or. Yeah, we did it. We did it in house. Uh, Clay, Clay Carnell is our, uh, our guy and he, he mixed it in studio with us. So, so after the festival circuit, like what was your approach for distribution? Like, like, uh, what route yeah. do you want to take or. So this was like new territory for us, you know, like the, the distribution and, and, and how all this works. So, you know, at, at the beginning of the festival circuit, we're just trying to have fun with the festival circuit and see what, what happened. And then, uh, luckily actually like, um, we did, um, the Manchester festival, uh, that, and then right after that was Beverly Hills film festival. And those were the last two and coming out of the Manchester film festival through some, you know, people that we met there, uh, we got, uh, a distribution deal with Gravitas ventures. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. So it was like great timing. I mean, we were coming at the end of the circuit and, uh, you know, and that, that got, you know, brought up where they saw the film and there's someone saw the film in England and then told Gravitas about it. And we started working with them and we signed with them. And, um, so the festival circuit worked for you then, like you got, it did the desired outcome, what we want going to a festival circuit, right? Yeah, it, it actually did. One, one of the guys that, uh, also screened in man. Well, it was funny because we're both from the U S and this other guy that screened in Manchester, he's from New York. And he was our connection. He, you know, told us like, dude, I'll let Gravitas know. And, and so we all, we went to England to meet him basically, you know? (laughs) Oh, wow. That's great, man. Yeah. And, you know, so we're still kind of like going through that now, like, uh, everything so far so good. I think like the one, uh, piece of, um, guidance I would give anybody would be like, just to like, stay on them, you know, like, don't let it go. You know, they have a bunch of films that they're working on. And so you have to, you have to babysit your film, you know, you have to be your, the spokesman of your film. Like, how's it going? How to do this, you know, this month, how are the negotiations, uh, negotiations going with this platform or that platform? You just kind of got to stay go on top of it. Stay on really. them, eh? And did yeah. you guys just do us rights or did you guys do? Yeah. So, so right now, uh, so, um, right now we're just us, uh, and we're working with them now for international, for an international distribution deal, you know, to get it out there on some platforms internationally. Um, so it's like a, a, you know, an ongoing thing, you know, it's this like living entity that you have like asset that you have to keep, you know, feeding putting out there. Yeah. Doing yeah. different stuff with. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, 
Did they do yeah. much for you social media wise or any type of promotion or was it just like, you're with us, we're going to kind of negotiate on your behalf and it's up to you to kind of get the word out or. It was a uh, minimal social media help. You know, there was like a, it was okay. I mean, it was like a, a nice push at the beginning uh, from them. Um, but again, like, you know, at least in my experiences, you really gotta, you, you really gotta take charge of it. I mean, you really, it's your baby and you have to like make sure it's, it's being fed, you know, like <laughs> I did, uh, you know, again, you know, another payoff too, from the festival was I, when I went to Beverly Hills film festival, um, Frank Stallone was there, Sylvester Stallone's brother. Oh, wow. And yeah, and he knew of Mike. Uh, Mike Kunda in the doc. And I started talking to him and Nick Vellalonga, which is, uh, he, he wrote and produced the uh, green book. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He was there and he's friends with Sylvester Stallone and Frank and he watched our film and he loved it. And oh, that's great. he told those guys, you know, this is a good film, man. This is a good doc. And so when the film came out, uh, Frank Stallone, I talked to him and he said, you know, how's your, how's your film doing? And I said, you know, it was like perfect timing. And I said, it just came out today. And he said, send me a trailer. I'll, I'll promote it. Oh, wow. So, that's great. Yeah. Day one, uh, Frank helped us. He posted about it and I'm sure, you know, that was a big boost. So, you know, again, I, I kind of, we took it upon ourselves to like get it out there ourselves. You know, we didn't just sit there behind the computer and, and see what would happen. You know, we just kind of, you know, use that to our advantage. And, um, Frank getting the word out, I think helped, you know, like the first, that first week, you know, we cracked the top 50 on iTunes and, uh, we did, you know, really well in that initial push. And that helps then, too, um, if you can get into yeah. that, like first thing, <laughs> that first thing. Yep. That's like the whole, you know, the pre-orders are really important. You know, like we started to learn about all that stuff. Yeah. Cause it like culminates like the first day. Like if you got, yeah. Like, yeah so yeah. Then that helps you get up the charts. Yeah. That's something I learned yeah. after the fact. <laughs> I know we, we kind of learned it like a week before I, I just kept thinking like, I don't want to bother everyone, uh, you know, a month before yeah. and tell them pre-order, you know? And I thought, and then I realized like two days before, like, Oh, I think I understand how this happens, you know, how this is supposed to go. But so did you do social no, media we, campaigns or anything like that? Or like, how did you, you know, we that? did our own. Yeah. We, we did our own because we work in Detroit and we work on a lot of, uh, with a lot of ad agencies. And I personally have worked in ad agencies before I got into filmmaking. So we knew what we had to do. It was just, it just was, uh, you know, we just had to put the time and effort in, you know, like make all these little cut downs and, you know, assets to use on social media. So, uh, is that your approach? Just like, we're going to just fill like a machine full of yeah. content and just start pumping it out. Did you do any like uh, paid for posts or like, uh, yep. We, uh, we did a little, we did a little paid. We put a little money behind some of the posts at the, um, right when it went live on Amazon and iTunes. Did you see did any return bit. from that? Like, were we able to track any of that or, uh, iTunes is hard to, to track. We could track the Amazon, um, uh, views. You could kind of track those a little bit better and, and it, it helps. Um, I think it helped, it helped get the word out. You know, Mike has his own kind of his own fans, you know? So there was, uh, okay. yeah. So they, they helped too. I mean, Mike's got like a little following and they helped spread the word. And the reason that we put a little paid behind it was to get the word out beyond Mike's fans, you know, right? Okay. because they're, 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 they were going to like it no matter what, which was awesome. You know, I shouldn't say no matter what, like, I think if we, we did a bad job, they would, they wouldn't dig it, but you know, they were very helpful and we just wanted to get it out to a bigger crowd. So it helped that way. Um, but then I don't know if you know this, you know, like a couple months went by and then Sylvester Stallone actually posted about it a couple weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah. That's yeah. great. So he's in quarantine uh, yeah, he probably. Is, he's he's watching a bunch of stuff. That's exactly what I pictured because he posted about Tiger King <laughs> and, then, and then like two nights later, uh he posted about the pretender and uh he 
he, you know, he must have just got done watching it on Amazon. And he took a video with his phone and he, and he pointed it at the TV and said, um, you know, something like, if, if uh, you are a Rocky fan, this is a must-see documentary about the world's greatest Rocky interpreter, oh, is wow. what he said. Did my yeah, head like, explode? Or? Oh, dude, totally. <laughs> totally. He, he, you know, he called me at like, I woke up maybe like at, I don't know, 8 a.m., and I had a bunch of messages from uh, him and his wife, and you know, and my social media was starting to blow up, oh, and I realized great. like, oh, something must have happened here. Uh, yeah, so, so now it's cool, man. I mean, now it's it's really so it was trending on Amazon. It jumped up to number two. Oh wow, on Amazon. Great. Yeah, man, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, it was really really cool of them. And uh, the cool thing is, like, people are starting to see it that that don't know Mike. They're just, you know, bro- you know, browsing through their Amazon queue and our film pops up and I've been consistently getting emails and, uh, you know, Instagram messages almost every night of just random fans that watch the movie and, and just wanted to reach out and say how good it was and how much they identify with it and, and so on. So it's, oh, it's, it's, gotta feel it's good. been awesome. It's got to feel good to, oh, to like hit the mark like that, you know? Totally, totally. And you know what? I was just telling someone – the other day is, uh, or I was telling Danny today, I, I, uh, uh, came across on Amazon. It said, you know, because you watch the pretender, you might also like such and such. And it was a, a documentary about a YouTube star. And, and I did like it. You know, I was like, <laughs> yeah, dude, this, I wanted to make the kind of movie I wanted to watch and it worked because it like is recommending other movies I like. So it must oh, be, good. uh, yeah, it was kind of neat. That was kind of a cool thing. So, uh, um... but, yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, so, you know, back to, like, you know, the distribution. Uh, because this happened, you know, with Stallone posting about it and, you know, a lot of people kind of finding it now, uh, we're, we're looking into some more distribution channels and some other things have, like, presented themselves and we're kind of going after now. So, you know, this we're a couple months since it originally dropped and we're still kind of uh, looking into new opportunities, which is awesome. Yeah, I, I can see this living on Netflix and being like a big deal on Netflix, like especially with Stallone kind of backing it. Like, I'm not, I know yep. you can't get a, a ton into that, but like obviously you want that initial window of like people paying for the movie. But like, like I could see this blowing up on Netflix. Yeah, next, thanks, like, man. Next I type of so. Tiger King, like type of a <laughs> style thing. Like you got to see this guy because like. Yep. Again, like we we talked about Tiger King a few weeks ago on the podcast, but like the genius of Tiger King was they made you sort of feel good, like like root for this like crazy racist gun toting guy who with tigers, right? Yeah. But like your film too, it, it it's like initially, like I said earlier, like you have that snap judgment, but then you end up kind of rooting for the guy, and I think that's right. again, like obviously you can draw a ton of like. Uh, correlations to Rocky, right? Like you want to root for the underdog and that's the whole Rocky story, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, um, you asked me about it earlier too, like, you know, that was kind of how we felt, you know, like I didn't know, you know, I went into his basement the first time and like, Oh my God, what (laughs) is just Look at all this stuff. Like, what did we do? What did we get into? Yeah. Yeah. I left my, my wife and kids at home for this, you know, like what, what are we doing? But then, you know, I wanted it, I wanted the viewers to kind of go down that same journey that I did was like, Oh, let's meet his parents. Wow. I love these guys. He, what a, you know, great parents, great family, you know, oh, let's meet his wife. What a supportive lady. You know, I wanted everyone to kind of peel back the onion like we did, you know? And, and then you start, I mean, hopefully like when I was making it, I, I started to think about myself, you know, like, am I doing what I love? Am I, am I, you know, you know, chasing a dream, you know, am I, I putting in a hundred percent? I mean, like, that's one of the first things we noticed about Mike is he's putting in a thousand percent every day, man. Really? Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even when we were, we were shooting, like we were exhausted, you know, and we were staying in this house, you know, he let us stay in a spare bedroom and, and, uh, you know, we were exhausted following him around all day and 6am man, you'd hear his boots up and down the hallway. You got, you know, like, you guys want coffee? You ready? You want to go see this? You want to go see that? You want to oh, see wow. where I used to run the steps as a kid? And you're like, well, it's what we're here for. Let's, let's, let's go, man. Get up so, and go. Yeah. 
It was contagious. Um, so you can check out the film uh, on iTunes and Amazon in the States, right? And then international yeah. on at least Vimeo, right? Yeah, you know, like I, there's a couple other platforms uh, in the States, Tubi. It's on Tubi now, okay. which is kind of a newer platform. But outside of the United States, um, the the best way that we found uh, is Vimeo On Demand. That's what kind of uh, – it is kind of – even like – in Canada, when you have a Canadian distribution deal, yeah. getting people to watch stuff in Canada sometimes ends up being Vimeo or some like we have iTunes Canada or so uh-huh. it, it's just like we're not up to speed on certain things here. It's I don't know. And then if people in Europe want to watch it. It's like Vimeo as well ends up being yeah. the best way to get people to watch it. But yeah, I, I had like the distributor gave us a whole list of, you know, like platforms and which country is the best and you know after the first week of me trying to like you know we got a lot of people reaching out from all over the world like how do i see this thing you know i'm looking on my little chart and then i quickly realized like vimeo was just the vimeo on demand was just the most consistently reliable outside of the united states you know so i don't don't know if like other like uh people like if it's harder for people to watch it on there because it's you always want something that's easy like itunes is so easy for me like if i see something i'm like i'll rent that that's easy or like playstation network i know that's another one that that gets a lot of business like but like, uh, yeah, it's just like, how do you make it just easy for people? So, yeah, it's, I, know, I think it's we're tough. on PlayStation too. I haven't thought about that one in a while. But you know, we after this stuff happened with Stallone, you know, we got another you know ton of people asking how do they see it internationally, and the distribution company said, you know, tell them Vimeo on demand like you are, and also tell them you know like wherever they like to see movies in their country you know, reach out, send them a, you know, an Instagram message or a Twitter message or, you know, just get it on their radar. And, you know, if, if they're, you know, kind enough to do that, that helps get our film on their radar and maybe they'll pick it up. So do you guys do any TV deals like, uh, like pay-per-view or anything like that or no, no, we haven't. It, it never, we thought about it. It never really came up, you know, maybe it's something that'll come up later, but we started to, you know, think about that. Like what, what could we do? We even talked about like, uh, because we have a relationship with PBS, they started saying like, you know, Philly's got a big PBS station and, uh, we started to, to go down that road, but not very far. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Canada, yeah. we have like, uh, Canada has like a minimum amount of Canadian content that has to be shown on Canadian channels and whatnot. So you kind of sneak in some stuff every now and then on, right. on things like that. And the other thing too, is like in Canada, like, the internet's not so great in like the North. Yeah. So, Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. like satellite TV ends up being the way like some people just end up having to watch stuff. So we, yeah, we went down the distribution route in the past like that too. It's like, yeah, iTunes is great if you have internet that works. Right. Yeah. So Yeah. Right. I didn't think about that. And you know, another thing that got brought up was like the educational route uh, because they thought, this was kind of like a, you know, motivational film and, you know, kind of, they, you know, we did get some inquiries about like, would you like to show it in schools to get kids like, you know, follow their passion kind of message? Oh, really? You know? That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it got brought up a couple times and I, uh, you know, even right before Stallone uh, messaged about the film, uh, a guy called me from uh, Palo Alto and he said, uh, you know, hey, I run the school and, and I, I'm having all it was like for kids that kind of have not learning disabilities, but like just have a rough start, you know, like okay. maybe they come from a broken home or, you know, just something like that. And they have a hard time focusing and they use different tools to to get these kids passionate about learning. And uh, this guy that runs the school, he had all, his whole staff watch the film and, and then they uh, recommended it to the parents and uh, him and I have been talking about like, you know, I don't know what exactly, but maybe, you know, us doing an appearance to come down there and, you know, that's use great. it for education. That's yeah. Great, so, so that's pretty neat too. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I highly recommend people check this out. Uh, it was a great watch. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, tell people where they can check it out, check you out on social media and, uh, yeah. If you guys have something else in, in the works that you guys are working on, let us know about that. 
Yeah, great. Yeah, so uh, we're super active on Instagram, uh, and our handle is uh, the Pretender Movie at the Pretender Movie. Um, and we're on, you know, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website is uh, thepretendermovie.com. The film, uh, like you, like you said, is uh, Amazon Prime in the U.S. and iTunes in the U.S. Uh, and if you're outside of the U.S., uh, Vimeo on demand is best. And uh, if you're in the U.S., Tubi, Tubi is kind of a cool platform because it's free, uh, and it's free on there. So it's got to watch ads, right? With Tubi, is yeah, 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 yeah. which it's kind of cool. You know, I even got into that too. I'm like, so what is this platform? And did some research on that. And, uh, yeah, it's all about like, you know, for you and I, it's about the ad revenue. You know, if they, people watch your film and they sit through the commercials, uh, it's helpful. <laughs> yeah. Well that's, that's, and it's an, in, like, again, like how easy is it for people to watch it? And I think it comes down to things yeah. like, are people willing to watch an ad just to watch something for free? And I, I think that's for us as yeah. indie guys, like, you know, I mean, it might not be a ton of money, but it might be just those on the fence people who aren't willing to shell out a few bucks, you know, which is fine. Yeah. It's hard to take a chance on an indie film, right? Oh, I agree. I agree. It's a cool, you know, talking to the distributor about it, you know, we were just kind of shooting the breeze about it. And he said, you know, he's has a lot of filmmakers that, that make some nice return on their investment on, on like Tubi and uh, Pluto you know, if they have a couple films and they have them up there, they're, they're making money for them each quarter. So that's great. It's kind of cool. cool, man. Do you guys yeah. have uh, anything in the works, any other docs or. Yeah. A couple, couple things. Um, uh, one thing we, we shot a little bit for and we're shooting, uh, we're editing a, uh, kind of a pitch video for it, but it's, it's, a will be a full length documentary and it's about a uh, stand up comedian in New York city. And he's also a, a rabbi. Okay. And so he's That's he's like in his mid thirties. Yeah. And uh there's a whole it's interesting because there's a whole um struggle between like his comedy and his religion. Uh but those two things actually kinda help each other too. So Yeah. And there's some other things that go even deeper into his life that we're kind of exploring. Oh, that's great, man. Yeah. Um, so it's hopefully the next thing. Well, Jim, I uh, thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today and uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, yeah, if, uh, when, and if, and when you finish that doc, I would love to have you back on to talk about that one, man. Sounds great, man. Thank you. Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review the podcast and be sure to follow us on Twitter at lost commentary on Instagram at Raiders of the Lost Commentary and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.